If I wasn't sure that the Lord had called me to preach, but yet I wanted to preach the gospel, I would learn that song and I would just sing it somewhere in public. That song is the embodiment of the gospel. From the very beginning to the end of that song, it explains the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a great song that is. Thank you, brother. Proverbs chapter 20 this morning. Proverbs chapter number 20. I want to welcome Brother Gary Brown's father in the service with us this morning. Mr. Brown, we thank God for your son and for his family. They have been a tremendous blessing uh, to this congregation. And so we're glad to have you with us this morning in the service. And may the Lord bless you for being with us as well. Proverbs chapter 20. For the last several months, I appreciate your patience and long-suffering with me as I have been preaching on the subject of the seriousness of sin. I mentioned at the very beginning its threefold nature and how that God is motivated because of who He is and what He is. He is motivated to abhor it and to judge it and to hate it. His threefold nature is offensive and harmful, number one, to our God, because His nature is love, and He does that which is in the best interest of other people, and He is holy, and He is righteous, and He is sinless. But also, its impact upon others. You cannot sin without it at some point, somewhere, impacting and harming Another person. Sin always does damage to people's lives. And then also eventually it will harm you. You cannot sin and it not impact and hurt you as well. So it has a threefold impact on our God, upon others, and upon ourselves. And it is still true, though sometimes we have heard it several times if you are a church goer. But it is still worth repeating. That sin will take you further than you ever intended for yourself to go. And it will keep you longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will always cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. It will bait you, then it will betray you. It will seduce you, and then it will slay you. It will trap you. And then it will testify against you. Its pleasures are immediate. But its penalties are delayed. And because of this, according to Ecclesiastes 8.11 says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. It would be easier for us to warn others and to warn our children if we warn them, if you do this, this is going to happen. If they did it and it happened immediately. That's not what happens. Sometimes it's weeks, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's even years before the impact of that decision finds its full weight. Therefore, uh, that is why James said that sin is like LSD. 
It's lust, and then sin, and then death. So, we move from that study to the what I call the anatomy of sin. Our bodies, how sinful our bodies are. Isaiah said that man is sinful from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. One big putrefying sore. His tongue is unbridled, full of deadly poison, set on fire of hell. His eye gate, full of lust, never satisfied. The ear gate, always seemingly ready to hear the slander of a brother or a sister or that which is of an evil report, rather than to hear the good word of the Lord. Last week we took a glance at the major source of the anatomy of sin in our bodies, and that would be our hearts. And in our conclusion of this matter of sin, and of the anatomy of sin, the the Lord impressed upon my heart that when there are 765 verses in the Bible about the heart, it's very difficult to finish that in one message. And so I want to finish that and conclude this study about sin today, if the Lord allows us to do so. But I can't do that unless we deal with the source again, which is the heart of man. And, and, and every time that I study and pray and come here to preach to you, my goal is to reach your heart. I do not wish to just inform you of something that I learned from the Bible. My goal is to take the Word of God and shoot it forth by faith and hope that it will pierce your armor that's guarded, that guards your heart, that sometimes builds around your heart, that it'll find a place down in your heart that it might change you, that it might transform you. That is my heart's desire. So as we look at the Word of God this morning in Proverbs chapter number 20, I want you to listen carefully. This is a very simple message, but it's what the Lord gave me, and I hope and pray that it will be impactful upon you, that you'll remember it. Because I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to quit being a victim. And I want you to be victorious. I want you to be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. And if that's going to happen... If you're going to overcome some things in your life, it's going to start with your heart. And many times you try to deal with the symptoms without ever dealing with the heart. We go to the prison to preach to men, and the prison is dealing with those men's symptoms. Trying to corral them and restrain them. But the Lewis and I and other men have gone there to reach down into their hearts. Because if their heart doesn't change when they get out, life's not going to change. But quit looking at the prisoner. How about you? Do you want God to help you? If you want God to help you, do you think that you want it more than God does? God's desire is to be a blessing to you. We have a wonderful heavenly Father. And if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto my children, how much more will my heavenly Father give good things unto them that ask Him? He loves you. 
So I want you to look in chapter 20. Let's start, let's, let's look at some simple things about your heart that I would like for you to do. First of all, you'll notice in chapter 20, verse number 9. The Bible says, who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. First point this morning is that our hearts must be given to the Lord in order for them to be cleansed. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he said, My son, give me thine heart. Now listen, the Lord knows what he's going to get, but he knows that it needs to be cleansed and changed. I want to talk to you about your heart in case you don't know this. I'm not a heart doctor. I'm not a cardiologist. But I do study the heart. A preacher is a student of the heart of man. The Bible is the encyclopedia on the heart of man. And it knows you better than you know yourself. I want you this morning, first of all, to give your heart to the Lord to be cleansed. Okay? You see, from your birth and from your childhood, your heart has been delinquent and disobedient. The Bible says that foolishness was bound in your heart when you were born. You came forth from your mother with foolishness bound in that little heart. And your mother did not even have to teach you how to be a brat. She did not have to teach you how to take from others and how to lie. These things were already bound in your heart. Children have to be trained and restrained which is proof of their condition when they are born. Ephesians 2 says, We were by nature the children of wrath and had a spirit of disobedience in us. And number two, when you became a teenager, your heart not only has been delinquent in its childhood, but it has been deceitful and disobedient in your teen years all the way up into your years today. The Word of God says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Now, you think the devil is deceitful? And he is. But your heart is deceitful above all things, and it is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And so the heart of man needs to be purified and regenerated, and it needs a new birth. We need a new heart. The Word of God says in the, in the book of Acts that the gospel itself, when it is heard, believed, and received in the heart, the Bible says that God will purify our hearts by faith. Yes, yes. But I've got to be willing to give God my heart. So what do you mean by that? Well, we read it last Sunday, but you, many of you were not here. But Romans chapter 10 makes it very clear in verse 9 and 10. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is from the heart that man must recognize that God is right and He is wrong. 
that he is a sinner just like God says he is, and that Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. And now I'm going to look at God and say, God, I agree with you against myself. My heart has been disobedient. Yes, my mom and dad had to get on to me, had to sometimes spank me, sometimes had to restrain me. And even as a teenager, yes, I lied to them. Yes, I was disobedient. Yes, I was deceitful. And yes, I went after things that I knew that wasn't right. And even as an adult, I still struggle with the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of my own heart. Yes, God, you're right. My heart is unclean. Would you take it? Would you wash it? Would you make it clean? How can he do that? Well, it's amazing the terminology the Bible uses that God will, will love us and wash us from our sins by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God will save you and give you a new heart. So first of all, I need you to give him your heart. So let me ask you this. Have you given God your heart? Is there a place in time somewhere in the history of your life at some point where that you have bowed your knee and confessed with your mouth and believed upon your heart with your heart the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you called upon Him from your heart and say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Remember the parable Jesus gave about the two men that went down to the temple to pray? And one of them was a Pharisee and he was kind of, he was kind of sold on himself. And he said, Lord, I sure do thank you that I'm not like other men are. And he began to brag on himself because he was comparing himself to other people. And men will do that. They'll say, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Well, the Lord doesn't use them as a standard. And so anyway, that man is bragging on himself. But then there's another man who knows in his heart that he has transgressed against the Lord, but he cannot cleanse himself, and he will not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but he actually smote upon his breast, and he asked the Lord to have mercy upon him. Be merciful to me, O God. And when a man does that, the Bible says that that man went away justified rather than the other. God did something for him. And I'm saying to you this morning, listen, you may not be the most handsome man in here, You may not be the prettiest woman in here, and you never will be, and you'll never be the most handsome man, the best looking guy, the most popular guy, the richest guy, the wealthiest guy, the strongest guy. You may not be able to meet any of those things, but you know, that's not what God's looking for. God is looking for your heart. I may not be able to give as much as you can toward this building fund, but I can give Him all my heart. I can give Him all my heart. And God wants all of my heart. Do you understand? So first of all, our hearts must be given to the Lord. But second of all, now that you've been cleansed and purged and purified by the blood of Jesus Christ, which most of us in here profess that that has happened. If I ask for a show of hands, how many of you believe that you've been born again? Most of you will raise your hand and say, I've been saved. Brother Roger, I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Okay. Now from that point forward... The Lord encourages us and exhorts us that we would then begin to guide our hearts. Now they have to be given to the Lord, number one. Now they're going to have to be guided in the ways of the Lord. When you got saved, you were ignorant of the ways of the Lord. 
And so God wants you to guide your heart now in the ways of the Lord. And boy, I want that for every member of the East River Baptist Church. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that you should guide your heart in the way. The way. Guide your heart in the way, not a way, the way. That way is going to be narrow. It'll be straight. And the world won't like it. And the flesh won't like it. But you've got to guide your heart in that direction. Now, notice notice this. God, when He saved you, He knew that you could not guide yourself. Did you know that? When the Lord saved you, He knew what He was getting. And He knew that you needed a guide. And so, the Scripture says in Galatians 4 that... When you became a son of God, the Bible says that God sent His the Spirit of His Son into that heart. Isn't that an amazing thing? That God will send His Spirit into my heart. And according to the Scriptures, Brother Lauren, that Spirit is to be our guide. And He says that we are to be led by the Spirit. As many, Brother John, as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So, I have a guide. Now, listen, if you ever pay for a guide, you're probably going to listen to that guide. Guides are not cheap. Not for fishing, not for hunting. Now, I don't know about shopping. I don't think any of you women need guides for shopping. I think you just walk around blindly and find stuff and pick stuff up. I think you could do that. <laughs> All I know is, is that if the Amazon truck doesn't stop by my house to deliver a package. They stop by the house to make sure Cindy's okay. That I know that to be true. Or to make sure April's okay. We'll probably be getting a Christmas card from them this, this year. But I need a guide. I need the Holy Spirit to guide me and to lead me. So what my heart needs to be is sensitive to His voice. To his leadership. But not only that, but I need, and I need to yield myself to him as he guides me. And boy, I want that. I want the Lord to lead me. I want the Spirit of God to guide me and to lead me. But what happens a lot of times is you and I, some of us, we're, our hearts are so deceitful that we, we think that our sincerity is enough. Whereas we say, well, Lord, I want you to lead me, but we deceive ourselves in the sense that we won't learn the scriptures. And we won't study our Bibles and allow the Word of God to be hidden in our hearts so that the Holy Spirit can guide us. What we want is for Him to do it in a mystical sense. We want Him to impress upon us. We want His to intuitively know what He wants us to do. But He says, no. He said, I want you to hide your Word in, in your heart that you might not sin against me. And so many of us in here, we want the Lord to give us leadership outside the Bible so that we might know who to marry, what kind of job to take, where to live. We want to know whether we should go visit that house or this house. We want to live in a mystical world so the Lord, we can sense Him and feel like He's leading us in every step of the way. Rather, His leadership is going to take you into that book so that you might know what He would want you to do. And then the things that are not revealed in that book, 
Then He will come and guide you and lead you and impress upon your heart. I've used this illustration before, but it's an excellent illustration. I think it is. It's like a police officer who has yielded himself to the authority that God's put him under. And now he's an officer of the law. And uh, he is given a certain beat to work. But before they uh, turn him loose, they put it through him some, through him some training. Yeah, right. And they give him a, a manual that he has to operate by. So he learns the laws. He know, you know, they'll say this is a, this is a, what, a 411 or this is a, what, what, what's a, what's a law? Any of you broke any law and they called your number? <laughs> you know, they, they have a number for a thief. They have a number for a break in. They have a number for this and that. But they learn all of that. They can't just get in the car and say, uh, tell the dispatcher, well, now what is this called? Oh, where am I supposed to go today? No, no, no. You have a route. You follow that route. You do your job. But when something special occurs, then the voice comes across the radio and says, Hey, I need you to drop everything. I need you to go to so-and-so and take care of this. You learn that book. You let that Bible become real to you. And you start learning the Word of God. And occasionally the Spirit of God is going to impress upon your heart, I need you to call so-and-so. I need you to go see so-and-so. I need you to give so-and-so this money. I need you to visit with so-and-so. I need you to do this and this and this. And he does that to his children who have learned his word. God wants you to be sensitive to him in your heart. And so I pray that you would understand this, that God wants to guide your heart in the way, and He wants you to walk with Him, and, and the guide needs you to participate with Him. By the Spirit of God, by the Scriptures, the question is, will my heart today receive even this message? Is your heart in it today? Did you ask God to speak to your heart today? Did you know that Satan is fully aware of how powerful this book is? Do you realize according to the parable of the Lord Jesus Christ that when the Word of God is spoken, it says immediately Satan will come and attempt to snatch that seed out of that soil. When you leave here, one of the goals of the adversary is to get you engaged in something, whether it be an argument in the car, or whether it be something else that goes on, to snatch away everything that you just heard at church. That's his goal, because he understands the power of the Bible. He knows that it's the sword of the Spirit. And he knows that John wrote in 1 John 2 that the young men hid the word of God in their hearts and they overcame the wicked one because that word dwelt in their hearts. The other thing about your heart to be guided in the way is for you to submit yourself. Oh boy, that's where the heart's got to really become engaged. You know the Bible says by counsel purposes are established. Submission is another word for a humble heart. When you talk about humility, you're talking about somebody that submits and their hearts are tender toward whatever authority is going on around them and you seek 
to do what that which is right in the eyes of the Lord. A humble heart is not a stubborn heart or a rebellious heart. But rather it is a submissive heart. It doesn't go in and start demanding. It goes in to find out who's in charge and how can I be a servant and how can I be a blessing. Whether it be in your household. I want you young men, I want your hearts. I don't want you to grow up right here on the front pew of a good church and hear the word of God. And then when you become 22, 25, 27, you're gone. We can't find you with an FBI search warrant. We can't find you. I don't want that to happen. That grieves me. And the way that that won't happen is that your heart would be tender to receive what the Lord has to say. And say, God, speak to my heart. Now, every time that you hear the Word of God, it's not going to be specifically for your situation. I mean, if I'm preaching on marriage, that's not ready for you yet, right? You're not fixed to get married, are you? I didn't think so. But if I do speak, I'm not trying to embarrass you. I'm just using you as an illustration. If you're an illustration, sometimes you will get embarrassed. You understand that too, don't you? And I love this young man. He's a good boy. And listen, but his heart needs to be tender toward God to receive what God is really trying to say. And so when I come to church, I'm asking God to speak to my heart. If I go to a Bible conference, Brother Zach, if I'm going to a Sunday school class, if I'm going to Wednesday night service, I'm not going there just to occupy a chair. I want God to speak to my heart. Sometimes He'll do it through somebody just getting up and testifying. It doesn't have to, sometimes the preacher doesn't always have what I need. But there'll be somebody in that congregation, if I'm going there for the right reason, it might be even be in a, in a small conversation before or after church that something is said by someone, I got what I needed. Because my heart was listening for God to speak to my heart. In other words, sometimes you're going to get up here, the preacher's going to be preaching, you say, yeah, that's for somebody else, that's for sure, that wasn't for me. Be sure about that. Amen? Be sure about that. But your heart needs to be guided into the truth. And submit yourself to the Word of God. Now, I go back to that point about submission. These young men, if you really want the Lord to show you what you want for your career, what you really want the Lord to show you as far as a mate down the road, it starts with doing what Jesus did, and that's going home and subjecting yourself to your mother and father, being a blessing at home. And if you're a blessing at home, then God opens the door for you to be a blessing outside the home. You do what you know. Then God shows you what you don't know. Amen? Don't be a terrorist at home and then ask God to use you. Don't be a domestic terrorist. Y'all understand that? Okay. Now, let's move on here. The third thing I want to mention this morning, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We've looked at this passage many times over the years. But the Holy Spirit told me to tell you again. You realize how many times Jesus had to repeat himself? Hebrews chapter number 3. The third thing, number one, your heart needs to be given to the Lord. Number two, your heart needs to be guided in the ways of the Lord by the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures and you submitting yourself to godly counsel and ministry. 
In Hebrews chapter 3, our hearts also then must be guarded. I have to guard my heart. My heart tends, it's like the songwriter, Brother John, when he said, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. I have to watch my heart every day. Sometimes several times during the day. I have to watch my heart and guard it. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Let me give you three things about this and we'll go to the house. You have to watch out for Absaloms that may steal your heart. The Bible says in the Old Testament, a wonderful illustration of the devil. Absalom was David's son whom he loved dearly. Absalom loved himself. With all a bunch of family issues that went on, Absalom wound up killing one of his brothers because of what he did to his sister. But eventually Absalom came back home and over a long period of time what he wanted was his dad's throne. He wanted his dad's throne. So what did he do? The Bible says he would go down to the gate where that uh, there would be judges or people who would look after your case in case there was an issue. And Absalom would go down there and he would hang around and when men would come into the city, he would pull them over to himself and say, man, what's your problem? He said, man, I'll tell you what, that's a serious problem. I sure wish there was somebody here that really cared about you. I care about you. I love you. You know, if I was king or if I was judge here, I'd take care of that for you. Now, he did that over and over and over and over. What he was doing was, in his suggestion of caring so much, he was implying that the king didn't care. And what the adversary will do is he will come and whisper in your ear. All the world cares more about their own than Christians do. All the world cares more about you than God does. God's holding out on you. God ain't fair. God ain't right. If God cared, He wouldn't let this happen. And so He whispers in your ear to steal your heart because the Bible says this went on for weeks and for years, subtly, until eventually, in the simplicity of these men, Absalom led them in a rebellion against their king. Stole their hearts. The Bible says He stole their hearts. Don't let anybody steal your heart. Don't let anybody steal your heart. Don't let anybody steal it. Guard your heart. Did you know in the New Testament there is a warning that there are people within the circle of your church influence who actually love themselves and they will use you to accomplish their goals. They don't care about you. They will criticize those in the church that actually minister to your children. Who give up their Sundays and their Wednesdays and their hours during the week and their preparation. 
who work full-time jobs and who pray for your children, who love you and who want to be a blessing to you, and who give far more than they ever take, and yet somebody comes along and finds fault with them and criticizes them and takes your heart out of the church and out of the work and demotivates you. You watch for people who demotivate you. You watch for people who discourage you about the brethren and sisters in Christ. You watch out for them and they pretend as if they really, really, really concerned about your burden. But yet they offer no solution. These are Absaloms. The Bible says in Romans 16 18, By good words and fair speeches they deceive the hearts of the simple. Number two, you watch out for what the Bible refers to. I, I call them allurements. Jesus said, you better watch out lest your heart become overcharged. Overcharged. This is where you get life gets so busy that you let it begin to make your heart a little bit crusty, overcharged, stressed out, worried, overburdened about the cares of life and the busyness of life. Again, the songwriter said it well when he said, Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Just getting up in the morning, going to work. Taking care of family, taking care of business, taking care of health, taking care of other things. It can get to the point of where it pulls you away from your thoughts toward God and your heart not being tender toward God anymore. Just life. Just being busy. Oh, how the world to evil allures me. Oh, how my heart is tempted to sin. If I but ask him, Jesus will help me over the world, the victory to win. You know what he said at the end of there? I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Then there's these what I call agitations of the heart. This is where the heart gets hard. I want you to look in Hebrews 3, and I think this is critical in our conclusion of this thing about keeping our hearts toward the things of God. The agitations of the heart. Look at Hebrews 3 with me, please. Three times he says this. In verse 8 of Hebrews 3, he says, Harden not your hearts. Verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Verse 15. While it is said today, if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. couple areas, I think number one would be brotherly conflicts. Brotherly conflicts. James said, no doubt offenses will come. Did you know that a person can actually try to just do the will of God and wind up 
hurting somebody's feelings somewhere at some point. We think they did it on purpose, but really they just weren't paying attention. Sort of like driving down the road and you weren't paying attention. You didn't intend to scrape the fender on the other person's car. You didn't do that on purpose. But that other person thought, you know what? He's just looking for a lawsuit. He did that on purpose. He ought to pay attention to what he did. And he should pay attention. But listen to me, brothers and sisters. Listen, Jesus said to Peter and to his men, he said, listen, offenses are going to come. And he said, when they come, here's what I want you to do. He says, now this is something we have a hard time doing. He says, I want you to forgive your brother. If he turns and repents and asks you to forgive him, and where there's true repentance there, according to 2 Corinthians chapter number 7, there's some sincerity there. He said, I want you to forgive him. And they asked him, well, how many times, Lord? Seven? Now, in Peter's mind, seven's max. That's it. That's enough. And I'm in agreement with him. After about seven times, that's enough, man. I'm I'm done with you. He said, no, not seven. How about 70 times seven? So now we're looking at forgiving one another. And if you don't forgive one another, listen to me, your heart cannot stay pure. It cannot stay clean. It cannot stay tender. It will not be right in the sight of God. It can't be. Sometimes I have to just choose to forgive because sometimes I don't always have a chance to sit down and talk this thing out with somebody, but I'm not going to let that person and what they've done ruin my day and the rest of my life. So I'm going to do like Jesus said. He said, Father, forgive them. They knew not what they, they don't know. Sometimes people don't know what they're doing to me. They should. And their ignorance is not an excuse. Doesn't make them innocent. But on my part, I want to forgive so that my heart can be tendered and clean before God. You know what you're to do with one another? You're to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. You know what Christ did? He initiated it. And you're going to have to initiate it in your heart toward others and pray for them like Jesus did. That's what you do. You initiate it and you pray for them. You initiate it and you pray for them. He said, well, I'm going to wait till they come to me. Well, you may be waiting a long time and your heart's going to get crusty and hard in the process. I'm just saying this works. I'm just saying it works. Some of you have been hurt pretty bad. I've watched you, Brother Tucker. I don't, I don't detect any bitterness in you and your wife over some things that the brethren have done. But you couldn't wait on them. Right? You couldn't wait on them to do what was right. It may be next year before they realize they did you wrong. You're going to wait two years, walk around in bitterness? I ain't doing that. Lord willing. Lord willing. And by His grace, I'm not going to. That's a prideful statement to say, I won't do something. Never say never. But the agitations of the heart. You know... I have to watch out for my expectations that are in my heart. I set my heart up to get disappointed when my expectations are not realistic and they're not biblical and they're not realistic. I can get my heart in a bad way. 
So if you're expecting some things of another person, make sure those expectations are are realistic. Young couple gets married. They're expecting to never have a crossword. Well, at least one of them is. Because they never had a crossword when they were dating. But after a little while, and they find out that they pick up the tube of toothpaste and they're squeezing it right in the middle. Instead of on the bottom and rolling it up. Or they leave the top off. Oh, they leave the towel on the floor instead of hanging it up. Or they, and my, I can feel my wife's eyes. <laughs> oh, they'll take their old dirty socks and throw them toward the hamper. Sometimes they score, sometimes it bounces off the rim. Cindy doesn't wake up in a great mood every morning. Now I do. Is the heart is the heart deceitful? We are committed one to another to forgive one another. I expect her to have bad days. That's my expectations. Her expectations and the realistic expectations. You get married, you're going to have some trouble. Amen? You're going to have some trouble. If you're raising a child, you think that child will never struggle with its own flesh? That's not realistic. And if another adult in this church has to approach you about something your child said or done, and you get offended by that, your your expectations are not realistic. Then you're going to get your heart hurt for no reason whatsoever. They're trying to help you. They're not looking to hurt you. You're just not living in a real world. So you sometimes you set yourself up. You say, well, I went to church and they hurt me. Well, then obviously your expectations may not have been realistic. Everybody's not going to be at the top of their game when you get here. Those agitations of the heart. I need to close right here. Listen. How do I keep my heart guarded? Well, right here in this passage, this is the key, I think. Okay, there are are several things I could say to you, but let's focus on this one. Chapter 3, verse number 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said today, if you will hear His voice. Brother Brad, if you let that ear gate Allow His voice to get to the heart. Let God speak to your heart on a daily basis. Now watch what He says in verse 15. He says, Today if you will hear His voice, never stop listening to the Lord's voice. Through His Spirit, through His Word, through His servants. It may be that the Lord may speak to you through your wife, through your husband, 
through your teenager, through the simplicity and sincerity of your child, who may ask a question and question what you're doing, and the Lord smite your heart. You understand? You need to listen very carefully and listen to His voice. I'm asking you to do that right now. I'm asking you to listen to His voice. A guy can get up here and stumble through a message and have no clue what's going on in my life. And Brother Stewart, he can say something accidentally and the Lord take it and smite my heart. And I'm listening to that now. Now if I want the peace of God to rule in my heart, I've got to respond to that. I've got to respond to it. I've got to respond to it. There have been times when he has spoke, spoke to my heart and said, when you get home, I want you to call so-and-so, or I want you to text so-and-so, or I want you to talk to somebody at church now, and I want you to make that thing right. And when the Lord says that to me, I don't have a defense. I can say, but Lord, you know. He says, yeah, I know, but now you know what I want you to do. Amen? I beg of you, from this point forward, if you would be more tender toward God and listen to the Holy Ghost and let Him speak to your heart, you'll be happier, you'll be holier. And God will use you to minister to other people. Your heart stay tender toward God. That doesn't mean that your heart won't ever hurt. But it means God will help you heal it. James chapter 4 says, If I humble myself and purify my heart and cleanse my heart, you double-minded, he says. Cleanse your heart, you double-minded. Set my sight upon the Lord and say, God, listen. You know what? You know, you know why divorce happens? I know there's a lot of various reasons of why it happens, but it all starts with somebody getting a hard heart. Did you know that? A hard heart. Jesus said, He said, from the beginning it was not so. He said, but Moses wrote these things because of the hardness of your heart, which means that somebody quit listening to God. How many times have you sat and looked at somebody and talked to them? And you could see in their eyes they were not receiving anything that you had to say. Why? Because their heart has become hard. Oh, I pray this morning that you would, number one, give your heart to God. Make sure it's clean. Make sure God has saved you and changed your heart. Do you want to do the will of God? Do you want your heart to be filled with joy and with the Spirit of God, the peace of God? Guide your heart in a way. Man, get in here and learn that Bible. Learn the Word of God. Let the Spirit of God lead you. Then you guard it. You guard it. You protect it. By the way, your eye will affect your heart. Watch what you allow in the eye gate. What you listen to will affect your heart. Be careful what you listen to. It will affect your heart. I pray that we might be overcomers. And if we listen to God, all these things that as far as the sinfulness of our body, the Bible says in, the, in, in Romans chapter number 6, because we have obeyed from the heart that doctrine, we are no longer the servants of sin. And when you listen to the Word of God, you are no longer, from the heart, a servant of sin. It is no longer your master. It no longer calls the shots.
Oh, they'll win a battle once in a while, but they're not going to win the war. You can be an overcomer. You say, Brother Roger, you don't know what I struggle with. What I am telling you is, you're looking at some of the symptoms. And God is saying, you give me your heart. If you'll you'll give me your heart, I'll help you clean the other stuff up. Amen? Amen? All right, let's stand together, please. Let's bow our heads.